It's great to be with you here on this Easter morning. Um, As we look forward to next week, there's something really important that I need to let you know about. Um, Next Sunday is our Spring Pack the Pulpit Sunday. It's very important in the ministry of this church that we're able to feed hungry people in our community. And in our Pack the Pulpit Sunday, what we do is people bring food. Um, We try to pack the pulpit. In fact, we continue to say, if we'll ever fill this completely up, I'll just take that week off of preaching. And you guys can just go home early. So that's an incentive for you to bring lots of food next week. If you didn't yet... um, Pick up a flyer that tells you a little bit more about what we do and what items to bring. You can find these flyers at the welcome booth. There may be some people at the back as well handing some out. So please make sure that you pick up one of these and bring some food next week so that we can truly pack this pulpit. Also, I want to give you a quick Project 9K update. Project 9K is our Bible reading challenge here at Netherwood Park Church of Christ. We have challenged ourselves as a congregation to read at least 9,000 books of the Bible in 2017. And to date, we have read 1,569 books of the Bible. So we continue to make great progress. So please continue to read, continue to report those results, and continue to look forward to the day that we'll be able to celebrate reaching our goal of 9,000 books of the Bible. Well, we are continuing our sermon series that's out of the Gospel of John. And this morning, Easter morning, we'll be talking about the empty tomb. We'll be spending most of our time in John chapter 20, so this would be a good time to take your Bibles and turn there. It's John chapter 20. As we get ready to talk more about Jesus' empty tomb, let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the empty tomb. Father, we thank you for having all power and all authority and all control. We thank you, Father, for intervening for us by sending your son to die and also to be raised. So, Father, help us to cling to Jesus. Jesus, who left his grave clothes behind, who walked out of the tomb and is once more with you. But, Father, gloriously still intervening for us, we thank you, Father. And it's in the name of Jesus, the risen Savior, that we pray. Amen. Well, it's a familiar story to us, isn't it? In fact, it's a familiar story to millions of people across the world, many of whom are gathered today to celebrate and commemorate this familiar story. It's the resurrection story. Story. It's the empty tomb story. It's the Easter story. We all have familiar stories in our lives, don't we? The kind of stories that are so familiar that we know exactly what's going to happen. We know exactly what's going to be said. We know what's at the beginning, we know what's in the middle, and we know exactly how those stories are going to end. And familiar stories present some challenges for us. They present some challenges because we can only hear or read a story for the first time, one time. That's why we have this phrase now, spoiler alert. It's become a part of our language, hasn't it? See, if we know how something ends, then that story or that show or that game is oftentimes spoiled for us because we have lost much of the drama and the tension and the anticipation because we know how the story 
the game, the movie ends. We know how those stories begin, we know how they progress, and especially we know how they end. And when that happens, we can find ourselves unaffected by things that should be affecting. We can find ourselves unmoved by things that should be moving. Why does that matter to us today? Well, it matters to us today because we know this story. We know how it begins, we know how it progresses, and we especially know how it ends. Already today, we've been singing songs about the empty tomb. Leonard talked to us in his thoughts about communion, about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Tony stood in front of us and said, He is risen, and many of us responded, He is risen indeed. We know how this story ends. By the way, I want to practice that one more time because we're going to do that a couple of more times. Make sure that we get this. When I say he is risen, we all respond by saying, and we're going to try this one more time. When I say he is risen, because we believe it, we all respond and say, he is risen indeed. We know how this story ends. And because we know this story so well, I'm concerned that we oftentimes miss the drama and the tension that's inherent in this story. Because this story is so familiar, I'm afraid we sometimes are unaffected by something that should be incredibly affecting. That we're oftentimes unmoved by something that is so moving. And I know this is hard to do. But I want all of us today to try and listen as if we're hearing the story for the very first time. I want us to see the story with brand new eyes. I want us to hear it with brand new ears. Eyes and ears that don't know what is going to happen. That don't know how this story ends. I want us to see this story through the eyes of Mary Magdalene as she experiences this story for the very first time. And as we do that, I want us to experience the drama and feel the tension and the anticipation of this story. To once more be affected and moved by the story of Jesus and his empty tomb. And to help us do that, I want us to return to the beginning of this story to help us recapture the built-in tension that's inherent in John's gospel of Jesus Christ. John chapter 1 and verse 1. John begins his gospel by saying, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. And through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all mankind might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every person was coming into the world. And he was in the world. And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. 
He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Like any good storyteller, John sets the stage and introduces the tension and the drama in this story from the very beginning. This is a story that has its roots stretching back even before the beginning of time. In the beginning was the Word. This story is about Jesus who was with God and was God before there was time. This is a story about Jesus, the light of the world, the true light that gives light to all of mankind. And Jesus doesn't just exist. Jesus creates and he moves and he acts. There's drama in this story. The drama is that Jesus is coming into the world. Jesus is bringing God's light into the world. Jesus is coming on a mission to shine his light into the darkness of the world. But there's tension in this story. Because John tells us right up front that Jesus' mission isn't going to be without complications. It isn't going to be without resistance. The true light is coming, but the darkness won't understand it. The true light is coming, but the darkness won't recognize it. And as we've moved through John over the last couple of months, we've seen and we've felt that tension and that drama building. And then last week, we watched as Jesus, the light of the world, was betrayed was arrested, was tried, was crucified by a world that didn't understand him and didn't recognize him. And we saw on the cross that Jesus, who was still fully in control, even while hung on the cross, we heard Jesus say, it is finished. And we read that he gave up his spirit. And if we are looking at this story for the very first time, we're left wondering right along with Mary Magdalene, is it really finished? And that should leave us with unbearable drama and unbearable tension, unbearable anticipation. And then as Joseph and Nicodemus take Jesus' body away and they wrap it in strips of linen and they anoint it with aloe and myrrh, We're waiting with bated breath to see if there's any hope at all that the light that came into the world will overcome the darkness. We sit on the edge of our seats and we wonder if the light that came into the world has actually been extinguished by that world. The world that neither understood it nor recognized it nor received it. And so this morning, as we rejoin our story through the eyes of Mary Magdalene, we need to understand that she's living this tension. She's living this drama. We don't know a lot about Mary. Luke tells us in the 8th chapter of his gospel that Mary Magdalene was was one of a group of women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases and then followed Jesus from town to town, ministering to his needs. We know that Mary was one of Jesus' most devoted followers. And we know that Mary was with Jesus all the way to the cross. So we can also know how 
devastating Jesus' crucifixion and Jesus' death had to be for Mary. We know how devastating it had to be for Mary to hear Jesus say, it is finished. But it turns out that Jesus wasn't finished with Mary. So let's experience the empty tomb through the eyes of Mary Magdalene. John chapter 20, verse 1. It was early on the first day of the week, and while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter, who was behind him, arrived and went into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the burial cloth that had been around Jesus' head. The cloth was folded up by itself, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. But Mary stood outside the tomb crying. And as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. And they asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken away my Lord, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. And at this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not recognize and realize that it was Jesus. Woman, he said, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him. And I will go get him. And Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet returned to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am returning to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to, this, to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she, told them that she, and she told them that he had said these things to her. That's quite the roller coaster ride, isn't it? Early in the morning, while it's still dark, Mary, who's already distraught, goes to the tomb early that morning, expecting to find a body, and instead she finds... An empty tomb. And not surprisingly, because Mary doesn't know how this story ends. She is living this story. She's seeing it for the first time. Not surprisingly, Mary's first thought on discovering that there's an empty tomb. It isn't resurrection. No, her first thought is desecration. That makes sense, doesn't it? Even though Mary would have been well aware that Jesus had the power to bring Lazarus out of his tomb, 
she never would have imagined it possible that Jesus would walk out of his tomb. She would have never imagined that possible because Jesus was dead. And there wasn't anybody else walking on earth that had that power to call the dead to life. So her thought isn't, he is risen. Her thought is, he is stolen. And so she runs. She runs to find other disciples so she can share this latest piece of awful news. It's her despair, it's her sorrow that sends her running. It's not running because of joy. You see, not only is her Lord and teacher dead, but now someone's stolen his body. And this awful weekend somehow seems to just get worse and worse. And honestly, as we read the story, Peter and John don't help matters much, do they? Not for Mary. First, what they do is they sprint off. They run off and leave her behind. They want to go see for themselves what has happened. And then, after examining the tomb and seeing the burial cloths that were left behind, they simply return home. And they leave Mary there, outside the tomb, crying. And when she glances one more time into the tomb, two angels are sitting there. And they ask her a question. Mary, why are you crying? And after answering, she turns and she sees someone who she, who she thinks must be the gardener. And he asks her the same question. Why are you crying? Why is Mary crying? Well, Mary's crying because the one who healed her of evil spirits, the one who has ministered to her, the one she has ministered to, she's crying because her Lord and teacher and her friend, Jesus of Nazareth, she's crying because Jesus, the one who has been betrayed and arrested and denied and crucified, has been taken off the cross and buried. She's crying because now, to add insult to injury... Someone has taken Jesus' body away and she doesn't even begin to know where to find it. Why does Mary cry? Well, Mary cries because the tomb is empty and so is she. And the man that she mistakes for the gardener has one additional question for Mary. Who is it you're looking for? Well, Mary's looking for the body of Jesus. She's looking for the body of her Lord. She's looking for the body of the one who healed her evil spirits and turned her sorrow to joy and her despair to hope. And make no mistake, Mary has known sorrow and despair before. And now that Jesus and even his body are gone... Her sorrow and despair have returned. So just imagine. Put yourself in Mary's place. Listen through Mary's ears as she recognizes a very familiar voice. Say, Mary. Look through Mary's eyes as she recognizes a very familiar face. Imagine that you're Mary and you're looking for a body and instead you see and you hear Your Lord. Jesus said to her, Mary. 
And how did she respond? Well, she turned to him and she cried out, teacher. And Jesus said, don't hold on to me, for I've not yet returned to the Father. She hears his voice. She sees his face. She cries out. She runs to him. She falls to his feet and she clings to him. And why not cling to him? Mary thought it was finished. But he's alive. Mary's looking for a body, and instead she found Jesus. Darkness looked like it had won, but Jesus' living proof that the true light sent from God into the world has overwhelmed the darkness. He is risen, and the church says, He is risen indeed. Or amen, that that works too. And for Mary, for Mary, Jesus has once more turned her sorrow to joy and turned her despair to hope. So what about us? We're here today because of that empty tomb, right? And we recognize that that story of the empty tomb isn't just a familiar story. We know that the empty tomb turns our sorrow to joy. It turns our despair to hope. So I want to invite you to take a closer look at that empty tomb. I want us all to take a closer look. I want us to see it through fresh eyes because we need to make sure that we see the empty tomb for what it really is for us. And when we peer inside that empty tomb... We see that even death couldn't hold our Lord and Master. Even death couldn't hold Jesus. We see that Jesus had power and authority and control, not just in his death, but power and authority and control over death. He is risen, and the church says... And when we take a closer look at that empty tomb... We see that God's light did prevail. Darkness didn't understand it, but darkness couldn't overcome it. The light of God prevailed. He is risen. And the church says, And as we gaze at that empty tomb, we realize that Jesus went in there, but Jesus didn't stay there. He also came out of the tomb. And he didn't stay in there so that we wouldn't have to stay there ourselves. He went in, he came out, so we don't have to stay there. See, for disciples of Jesus Christ, for followers of Jesus Christ, death is no longer the final word. Death isn't the end of the story. Because Jesus went there and came out of there so we don't have to stay there. We celebrate the fact that he is risen. And the church says, And as we look at that empty tomb, and as we hear through Mary's ears the voice of Jesus, we're assured and we're reassured that God is with us, even in our very darkest times. Because he is risen, and the church says, And as we gaze at that empty tomb, 
we realize that there was a promise made at Christmas. There's a Christmas promise that was made, right? The promise that the light of all mankind is coming into the world. And that Christmas promise that was made is Easter's promise kept. That light prevailed. That light won. That light shines into the dark world because he is risen. And the church says... So as we stand outside that tomb, as we stand with Mary, we acknowledge that that tomb is still empty. See, if we have really seen inside that empty tomb through Mary's eyes, if we have really heard Jesus calling her name through her ears, we're also standing with Mary in the light of God's promise, the promise that's been kept. And we know it's not that we suddenly live in a world that is a place where there's nothing at all to fear. But instead we recognize that if we will cling to Jesus, he has told us that we don't have to be afraid. Because he is here. Because for us, just like for Mary, everything changes when you've truly seen the risen Lord. So we're able to live in confidence, in the confident expectation that when we least expect it and when we most need it, Jesus will be there. He'll speak our names. And the empty tomb gives us the assurance that the God who brought Jesus out of his tomb can certainly bring us out of ours. So we look forward. We look forward to the day when it will be our grave clothes that will be left behind. When we'll emerge unencumbered to live life and never die again. Because our God is stronger. Our God is stronger than all the darkness that faces us. Our God will have the last word. Because Jesus is risen, and all the church says, So I believe that we have a call this Easter morning. A call in light of the empty tomb, and our call is to cling to Jesus. To fall at his feet. Knowing that our sorrow has been turned to joy, and our despair has been turned to hope. After all, if we really believe that the tomb is still empty, how can we respond in any other way? So I want to ask each of you some questions this morning. I want to ask each of you, do you believe in, do you have faith in, do you trust in the empty tomb? I also want to ask you this, is your tomb empty? And that may seem like a strange question because you're saying, well, I'm not dead and I haven't died, so how could my tomb be empty? But see, we need to understand that that's a beautiful part of the story that we shouldn't miss. Jesus came out of his tomb so that we can come out of our tombs, not just someday, but today. Jesus left behind his burial clothes so that we can leave behind our burial clothes, not just someday, But today, see, that's the beauty of what Jesus stands ready to do today. 
That's the beauty of baptism. See, the story of baptism is the story of the empty tomb. Every baptism is an Easter story. See, because Jesus came out of his tomb, he's able to call us out of our tomb, not just someday, but today. Because Jesus was raised to a new life, he's able to give us a new life, not just someday, but today. Because Jesus left his burial clothes in the tomb, we're able to leave our sin-stained life behind in our tomb and put on new clothes, not just someday, Today, Paul said, everyone who has been baptized into Christ have clothed themselves with Christ, left the old clothes behind and put new clothes on. In Romans chapter 6, Paul says, don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life, not just someday, but today. So I want every one of you here to know, every one of us here who have been baptized with Christ, you're an Easter story. You're a resurrection story. And for everyone who's here who hasn't been baptized with Christ, you need to understand that you're simply an Easter story that's waiting to be told. Because if you'll just name and speak the truth about your darkness, if you'll just confess your sins, if you'll just confess that you believe that the tomb of Jesus is still empty, if you'll join with Jesus in the water to be raised to a new life, to be called out of your tomb you can know with complete confidence that the light of God is waiting to break through and tell your Easter story. Because he is risen. And the church says, let's pray together. Father, we're here to worship. We're here to worship you and to worship Jesus because he is risen. He is risen indeed. Father, may our lives tell the Easter story and keep the Easter story fresh and alive to shine your light into the dark world so that others may come to know Jesus, so that others may come to peer into the empty tomb, so that others may be able to say he is risen. He is risen indeed. Father, we pray this through Jesus, who is the risen Christ. Amen. So we're going to stand, and we're going to end our time by worshiping in song. We're going to worship in song because he is risen, and the church says he is risen indeed. Let's sing.